from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So she she was just came to me and was like, I'm doing all this work. Is this a good idea? Good <laughs> for know? her to ask the question. You can't have a viable species if you don't reproduce. So we just started doing correlations with all the different things that we measured. The main one was that it had low genetic diversity. And what would that mean? Just the population has gotten so small that it's it's inbred? Yeah, essentially, yes. You do need bigger spaces, but... But bulldozing or, or you know, <laughs> tearing up farmland, that's not going to happen. So yeah. what, what do you then do with this finding? I'm Sarah Fenske. For at least three decades now, Mead's milkweed has been in trouble. The perennial is critical to the life cycle of the monarch butterfly, and so its threatened status had the attention of the Missouri Department of Conservation. But new research from the Missouri Botanical Garden has shed light on what was holding Mead's milkweed back. That's led to a switch in conservation practices, one that is already yielding some success. And joining us now to explain what she learned and what changed because of it is Christy Edwards. She is the Stephen and Camilla Brower Conservation Geneticist at the Center for Conservation and Sustainable Development at the Missouri Botanical Garden. Christy, welcome. Thank you for having me. So there are a few dozen species of milkweed, swamp milkweed, tropical milkweed. What makes Mead's milkweed unique? Well, so it's a, a prairie endemic, um, and so it's it's kind of very iconic of the tall grass prairie, which is an ecosystem that's been, uh, you know, once covered over a third of Missouri, uh, and it's been lost um, mainly due to agricultural development. And because of that, the species has become very threatened. Um, and I think it's kind of diagnostic of the loss of the tall grass prairie habitat. Hmm. How close is this Mead's milkweed to us here in St. Louis? Um, so the closest population that I work with is in the Tomsock Mountains um, in, in southwestern Missouri in the in the um, Rhyolite Glades there. And would that have been also the case back in the day when it had a more substantial habitat? Well, so there's actually some historical populations that were known from the St. Louis area. Hmm. Um, actually, St. Louis used to have uh, significant amounts of prairie uh, around here. So we're yeah. part of the problem here, the fact that we're sitting here today. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, less than 1% of the prairie remains in, in um in Missouri. So it's wow. It's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. So tell us just a bit about why that's a big problem. I mean, this isn't just that, you know, the beautiful prairie grass. Mm-hmm. These are important ecosystems. Yeah, they're extremely diverse ecosystems. You know, so so prairies will have, you know, up, upwards of 400 species in a, a very small fragment. And, um, you know, the loss of these prairies really causes the loss of these these species that are endemic to the habitat. We all love monarch butterflies. I feel like they're one of those charismatic species that that people get into. Um, How important is milkweed for them? Yeah, I mean, so essentially that's their host plant for their larval stages. Um, So, you know, the loss of the tall grass prairie, there's many, many species of milkweeds that are endemic to the prairies. And so, uh, you know, the loss of those prairies is one of the reasons why the the, the monarchs have uh, experienced such massive declines. So this is a big issue here, and it sounds like at core, the real problem for Mead's milkweed is that we have just wiped out the prairies. Mm-hmm. But 
some plants and animals manage to make their way even with all the destruction we've done of, of the natural habitat. For Mead's milkweed, this has been a harder path. Um, what was the theory of what was making their propagation difficult in, in this time where there just aren't as many prairies? Yeah, so essentially, you know, the species is, you know, experience massive habitat loss. But the other issue is, is yeah, because of that habitat loss, it stopped reproducing. Um, so, Just flat out stopped. Well, there was a few populations that would re- reproduce, but essentially there was almost no reproduction occurring. And that became a major concern to anything that was, uh, you know, anybody who was working on managing the species. You know, you can't have a viable species if you don't reproduce. Um so, you know, there's been a lot of theories about why that has happened, um, but um, the main one was that it had low genetic diversity. And w- what would that mean? Just the population has gotten so small that it's it's inbred? Yeah, essentially, yes. Um, so, you know, like um, animals, there are some plants that can't self-fertilize. They're called self-incompatible species. Um, and so there's theories out there that if you know, population gets small enough and the individuals in the population are, are closely related enough mm-hmm. that essentially you can just suffer from a lack of a compatible mate. Okay. So yeah. the Missouri Department of Conservation, they wanted to do something about this. That was kind of their theory of what might be going on. What, what were they doing then in response to, to this idea of the problem? Yeah. So I, honestly, it was a kind of a an idea that was circulated in the scientific literature for a long time. Um, but so in response to that idea, they started doing a lot of transplantation. Um, so they would collect seeds and then raise them up and then transplant them into into different prairies around the state to try to boost population sizes and increase genetic diversity. But unfortunately, you know, it wasn't really clear if it was actually working or not. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. And they were doing a lot of work, uh, you know, to move all these plants around all over the state. And, you know, is this successful? You know, we weren't really seeing big uh, increases in population sizes. And that's when your research comes into this. What got you onto the meats milkweed issue? So actually our state botanist, uh, her name is Melissa Brigler, and she's at the Missouri Department of Conservation. She was the one that was doing all these reintroductions or these transplant programs. And so she she was just came to me and was like, I'm doing all this work. Is this a good idea? Good <laughs> for know? her to ask the question. Yeah. I, I feel like so many of us never pause and have that moment. So she found an expert. Yeah, you know, I'm a, a, a conservation geneticist. I measure genetic diversity. And so that was, you know, where I came in. Yeah. So what did you find as you start digging into this? Yeah. So we, you know, went to all these different prairies all over the state and we measured genetic diversity in the populations. And then we also revisited the populations multiple times to measure, you know, fruiting and flowering. Um, And it turns out that you know, when we looked at the relationship between genetic diversity and reproductive success, there was no relationship at all. Hmm. Yeah, so it was really surprising. <laughs> yeah, even you were surprised by this finding. Yeah, well, I was. Yeah, I was. I was. You know, I looked at the results of our analysis and I was like, "What? This is crazy." <laughs> but so, once you were able to find this, then could you figure out, okay, if it's not this problem, what is it? Yeah, so you know, we were looking at these. Uh, you know, okay, well, if it's not genetic diversity, what is? The problem. So we just started doing correlations with all the different things that we measured in these populations, and we found a very clear. Uh, there was only one factor that was related, and it was essentially the, just the flowering population size. If you have enough flowering individuals in a population, you get reproduction occurring, um, and that number is about fifty individuals flowering at once. And mm-hmm. so, does that mean we just need bigger spaces for this to grow? Well, unfortunately, that's really not possible. 
Yeah. Uh, because, you know, most of these prairies are these little tiny fragments that are surrounded by agricultural fields. Yeah. So, so I mean, yes, we do need bigger spaces, but... But bulldozing or, or you know, <laughs> tearing up farmland, that's not going to happen. So yeah. what, what do you then do with this finding? Um, so there's, I think, two clear recommendations. So one is, is that some populations are just not big enough to ever have 50 plants in it. Yeah. You know? So for those, what we've been doing is putting... Uh, you know, transplanting individuals in, just like the Missouri Department of Conservation um, has been doing all along. And so actually we've been doing that. We've been working with them to do some what they call augmentations, where you just add individuals in the population. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other recommendation is, so in this species, you know, your your previous segment was about fire. Yeah. Well, um, prior, fire is also um, integral for the management of prairie. Um, in fact, it needs to be burned much more frequently. And uh, so one of the things for Mead's milkweed, it's fire adapted and the, the plants flower after they've been burned. There's usually a prescribed burn in the dormant season and then they get a burst of flowering the, the, the growing season afterwards. And that's when they're able to reproduce. Yes. So, so that fire is critical. Yeah. But so the way that these, these prairies have been managed, um, there's these little fragments and people have been burning one plot one year and a different plot the next year. So they were never getting 50 individuals flowering at once. So this is something they can fix. They just need to take that into account when they're deciding where to do the prescribed burns, figure out that there's enough of this milkweed in it. Yeah, and essentially burn them all the same year. <laughs> so you basically cracked the mystery. I I think so. And it sounds like it's going to be more work for guys like Benny when they come up with these prescribed burns. This is yet another factor they're going to have to take into account. Exactly. So they're going to have to coordinate with other people who are burning meads and milkweed populations, do, do them all in the same year. Yeah. So the Missouri Department of Conservation sought you out. Um, you cracked the mystery. Were they receptive to these findings? Oh, very much so. Yeah. So, you know, they've had me give talks to all these different, you know, like the Missouri Natural Areas Committee. um, And we've been trying to get, um, for example, the land managers uh, to kind of be open to the idea of transplanting individuals into these high quality remnant prairies. And overall, I think it's been met with... uh, you know, uh, acceptance. So people are excited about the results. And so this was two years ago that you really came to these um, findings. Is this something where we're going to start seeing results soon? The the milkweed could uh, have an upswing? I hope so. Yeah. Um, I mean, we still have more work to do because we want to know why the 50 individuals is the magic number. So we're looking into kind of pollinator explanations for that. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, now that we have some specific recommendations and people are starting to act on them, I think we're going to hopefully get a, you know, kind of a burst of reproduction in the species. Hopefully it will help it recover. I Um, love a burst of reproduction. So if someone's sitting on a big plot of land and they're thinking, man, should I do my part? Like, should I become home to the Meads milkweed? Is this something where people can be helpful? Well, it really depends on if they have a high-quality prairie. <laughs> so those of us with city yards, we are out of luck. Well, you know, they're, they're a bit picky. Yeah. They uh, are, you know, if you try to plant, transplant them into your garden, uh, you know, the, I think people have had limited success. Um, they have very specific habitat requirements. But, for example, the people, you know, who are, you know, living on prairies out in, 
in, you know, rural Missouri or Kansas, you know, if they could burn their prairie, you know, coordinate with their neighbors, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, mm-hmm. if anyone's listening on a prairie out in rural Missouri or Kansas, maybe you want to get in touch with the Forest Service. Betty might have some thoughts on how to help you. But it sounds like there's things they could do uh, based on these findings that you came up with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Missouri Department of Conservation will also consult on, on fires as well. So, um, and, you know, they're really interested in conserving Mead's milkweed. So, you know, uh, you can always reach out to the Missouri Department of Conservation or me if you're interested in managing your prairie. Well, yeah. this is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to see these answers and, and how good this could be down the road for this important milkweed and for all the animals that and flora and fauna that rely upon it. So, yeah. uh, Christy Edwards, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Christy is a conservation geneticist at the Missouri Botanical Garden. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer with audio engineering by Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.